Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. I'm your host, Karen Litzy. This is podcast number 211. And in this episode, I sit down with Dr. Dave Kittle and Dr. Annie Abate. They are both physical therapists based in Brooklyn, New York. And Dave is also the founder and CEO of Vinitial. So what is Vinitial? Vinitial is a safe and secure patient provider texting without exchanging cell phone numbers. It's an iPhone, iPad, Android web-based app for fast and easy patient provider communication. And we talk a little bit about how it works. Um, But if you want to find out more information, you can go to www.vinitial.com. So again, it's a HIPAA-protected way to stay in contact with your patients without having to give your cell phone number. So there's a bit of protection there. Um, And also it's HIPAA compliant. So if you're texting sensitive information, you are safe. Now in this episode, uh, Annie and Dave and I really dissect this startup. That's why it's called the anatomy of a startup. So we're talking the beginning stages here. Where did the idea come from? Why did he want to do it? The decision to stop working as, for Dave to stop working as a PT, and how the, I should say Dave and Annie are married, um, and how their relationship is one of the big reasons that this startup is possible. And we talk a little bit about some of the challenges they've had uh, throughout starting Vinitial and much, much more. So if you really want to know how to get through those beginning stages of a startup, this is the podcast to listen to. So I thank them for being so open and so honest and forthcoming with their information. Um, It was a great conversation. I'm super stoked that they decided to come on. So thank you to both of them. And thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in and listening every week. I really appreciate it. Um, and what I would also really appreciate it is if you go to iTunes, leave a, re- a review or a rating. I will love you forever for it. So um, be sure to do that. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Karen Litzy NYC. And today's episode is again brought to you by Audible.com. They have 100 and over 180,000 books that you can listen to. I just downloaded a couple last week and I've been listening to them as I walk around the city. It's super great. So if you have a long commute or even a short commute, throw on an Audible book and it'll make your commute much more enjoyable. So all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash healthy, wealthy, smart. That's my affiliate link. Sign up there. Totally free. You get a free month and a free uh, free download. So again, that's audibletrial.com slash healthy, wealthy, smart. And uh, thanks again. Enjoy this podcast with doctors Dave Kittle and Annie Abate. Hi, Dave. Hi, Annie. Welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you on. Thank you for having us. So happy to be here. Very grateful. Thanks for your time, Karen. Yeah, anytime. So like I said in the beginning, Dave is the CEO of Vinitial. He's also a doctor of physical therapy, and his wife, Annie, is also a doctor of physical therapy. And today we're going to talk about kind of the the evolution of a startup. So how does it go from idea? What is the why behind it? And how does that affect every aspect of the creator's life? From 
kind of leaving a cushy, comfy job to having a marriage to, you know, having a life outside of this startup, right? And, and I'm sure you guys have lots of stories to tell and, and <laughs> people will be very curious to hear how all of that kind of happens. Mm -hmm. um, so let's start with, let's start with the why. Why did you feel like this was something that, Dave, that you wanted to do? Why, why start a company when you're a physical therapist? It's a good job. You're making a salary all that kind of fun stuff. So go ahead. What's, what's the why behind it all? Sure. So originally my parents, uh, come from uh, small, uh, owner operator businesses. So I come from South Jersey and my dad owns and operates a tree service where he is basically killing himself every day, cutting down trees, removing them. It was my first job, uh, being paid cash under the table when I was about 11 or 12 years old, I quickly realized that manual labor was not for me. Uh, so no dad, I was not going to be taking over the family business. Sorry. Um, and my mom is the sole owner and operator of a direct mail and marketing business. Um, and so that's like the original, like, like personal why in terms of just why I'm interested in, in business. And so in physical therapy school, I was interested in pursuing private practice and, you know, opening up my own shingle and, and then potentially rolling out other offices, um, you know, in a certain area or maybe even maybe even across the country. I've always had interesting uh, perspectives, I thought, or, or I always had like larger goals for myself. Um, and then coming out of school, I realized or I at least felt myself that that the brick and mortar situation didn't make sense in regards to many different things, such as health care's declining reimbursement. Uh, rent that, you know, fixed, fixed rates such as rent and other equipment and, and capital expenses and um, just, just other things that just, does, that just doesn't seem suitable for someone that comes out of school with a lot of student loan debt, which was, you know, our case, my case, and my wife Annie here, her case as well with student loan debt coming out of school. Um, but in terms of why now or, or why I'm, I'm interested in pursuing this project, the, the personal why is to just impact the world uh, more than I can do physically or in person. And so I love evaluating and treating patients, but since stepping away from seeing patients every day and doing this is because I believe that I can leverage technology. I love technology and that I can provide value anywhere, just across the country, potentially across the world, uh, reaching and, and helping more clinicians in healthcare or even patients and clients uh, more than I can in person physically. So that's kind of like the the personal side of like why for me in terms of my parents uh, and then also kind of like my trajectory through physical therapy school and into healthcare. And so when did this idea come to you? And then when did you say, I've got a good idea, I'm leaving my job? Like how did this so you have this idea of a sort of provider-patient portal for secure messaging. So when did that idea come to you? Winter of 2012. Um, I'm sorry, winter of 2013. And then the like January, February of 2014 was when I had started to draw out ideas. And so if like, 
so if you're interested in technology and you're going to pursue a website or an app or any or anything like that, it's pretty much one or the other in terms of do you have technical skills, programming, designing, uh, front end, back end, or do you not? Like there's some gray area in between that you might know some things, but I really didn't. Um, I was super interested in in knowing what I what could be built and how I could use it. Um, so I was just furiously drawing out what we call wireframes and mockups, uh, literally what the screens and the buttons would look like, where the buttons would take you, um, kind of like the entire functionality of of an application or a website, but on like a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. just, so you know, kind of like making ideas. a storyboard. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So a storyboard. So you're going through all this. Now you're still working as a PT, correct? Yes. Okay. So then you, you get to that point where you say, you know, I'm going to leave my job and I'm going to start a tech company. So I'm going to go to Annie for this one. What were your thoughts when he said, I'm going to quit my job and start a tech company? So, you know, originally, like Dave had mentioned, his, the original trajectory of where we thought his career was going to go was opening up a brick and mortar practice and, and then scaling it uh, more so then, but then, you know, I started to see him read more tech magazines and following on Bloomberg a little bit more. And I'm like, hmm, okay, this is a little bit different. And, um, but we're still both practicing physical therapists. So we're still able to talk about patient care and whatnot. So, um, so then once I see his passion growing for, uh, you know, this technological side of him and the application, I knew something was going to have to give because this was just so much more, pa he had so much more of a passion for this than he did about opening up a practice. So once the words were saying, once he said the words, you know, Annie, um, I'm going to resign from patient care, I already kind of saw it coming. And then, um, you know, it was obviously a, a big deal because like you said, you're leaving your cushy job with a salary, you know, health insurance, you know, 40 hours a week plus, uh, it was definitely different, you know, especially because that's the world that I'm coming from, mm -hmm. you know, 40 hours plus, you know, outpatient ortho and peds. So for me, I'm like, wow, this is really different. But you know what? Go for it. You know, we're young. Now's the time. You know, we don't have other mouths to feed. Uh, now's the time. So yeah. No, go that's, for it. Yeah, that's smart. That's smart. And then what goes, did you have that thing in the back of your mind, like um, have all these student loans, like you mentioned earlier? How, how is this going to work? Like, was there, did you have any, let's put it this way, do you have any fear or trepidation about this? Sure. I mean, you know, definitely we had to sit down and talk about budgeting and how things would change just because obviously he's bootstrapping the business and, you know, things we need to sacrifice, you know. And um, so we obviously sat down and d did numbers and in terms of about month-to-month -month basis. And, um, I mean, we worked it out. It's working out, you know. I mean, student loans are pretty uh, insurmountable. and But... Uh, it will get done, and uh, you know he's working really hard too. So and and his app is is starting to go real is going really well. So uh, but back then it was a little it was a little scary. I'll mm -hmm. tell you that. It was a little yeah. Scary. How about you, Dave? Any trepidation when you first started, or were you just like you kind of on a mission? Well, I mean, obviously we're making it sound like very like simple, but there's a lot of time and effort in in between, like just drawing it out talking to like a ton of practice owners through all different online mediums and whatever your personal network may be um, and trying to get some early adopters, some people that are interested even before you're 
you've built the software, which is really important. Mm -hmm. Getting feedback, uh, telling people that the software is already built and, um, you know, how much will you pay for it before the software is ever built. And so all these types of things are things you pick up if you are consuming different content in terms of like tech startups. You kind of learn some of this stuff along the way. Um, and then obviously when it became the point when I was going to step away from patient care, I had already had recurring monthly revenue from different practice owners. And so I knew that uh, like they're, they continue to pay for it and, and trying to build that snowball and push that snowball down the mountain to try to catch more and more recurring customers while maintaining the original customers. That's the only way that you would ever have any intelligence to leave a job. You know, I left a $94,000 salary job. Um, and, and, and you have to, again, like Annie said, balancing, understanding your budget, what is in your, your checking, your savings, what are those resources that you have available? What type of run rate is that? So, I mean, it takes a lot of, um, of time and effort over time for that. But at the same time, I saw some of that building over time and then it became you know other than like hanging out with my wife seeing my wife like our relationship other than that it was I was thinking of this I was thinking of Vinish I was thinking of the project the app when I would wake up when I would go to sleep and and it actually you can't you can't jump ship like this unless it's an obsession like it has to be mm -hmm. and if it's just like a side project you'll it'll remain a side project mm -hmm. and so that's that's kind of what was the the impulse and like Andy said it's only going to get harder so like next year or the year after like it might be better by then but it's only going to be harder in terms of our change in in lifestyle or our change in family or anything like that right and so it, it kind of what you said a few minutes ago um and we sort of talked about this a little bit before the podcast was you know we talked about having the idea you decide to like you said, jump ship and go full force into the app. But it sounds to me like you took an important first step before you did any of that, and that's doing some research. Doing research on your pos uh, probable customers, um, doing uh, research with other practice owners. So how long did that research phase last? Because I think a lot of people think you have an idea, and then it just happens. Right. Like magic, like a magic wand, <laughs> poof. And, and here it is. So... How long did that phase of research last and how important was that? Uh, extremely important. At least a year or two before that. And even when I mentioned back in uh, even 2012, 2013, there was another project. It's called uposture.com. So if you go to m.uposture, the letter uposture.com, it's a, it's a mobile website. It looks awful, but my buddy and I, we had built it. And it was a posture education and alerting system through text message and email and in very similar somewhat ways to what I'm doing now in terms of um, basically pinging clients or customers or patients and, and trying to help them. How can I help more people without being there? How can I assist them? How can I make their lives better? Um, and so that was that was in 2012. That was in 2013. So I was obsessive about that then. And. We put a PayPal button on the website. No one really paid for it. It was a failure. And guess what? No one, no one even knows about it. No one even cares other than Annie. She knows about it. <laughs> but, but that's the thing is like, I'm going to take as many swings at the plate as possible. Uh -huh. And I know I'm going to win if I just continue to swing at the plate. And so there's years right there where that's four years ago yeah. when it was some other thing and it led to this thing. And so 
I mean, there's like four or five years right there of being obsessive about what I was working on. And that's obsessive outside of patient care. I mean, when I was in front of a patient, I was completely 100% all in on getting that one patient better or the next patient better. But then as soon as I would unplug and I would be outside of patient care, it was a tech focus and obviously my relationship with Annie. And so um, it's kind of like years in the making. Yeah. And I think that's important to mention. So you do the research, you quit your job, you know why you're doing it. And what happens next? How does it then go from all the research and data that you've collected to an, to a product, to an actual living, breathing, well, quote unquote, living, breathing app? So if you yes. can kind of break down some of those steps, and then what I'd like to know is during those steps, what was go? How did that affect your relationship? And I'll have Annie kind of take that that end of it. But go ahead first, Dave. Kind of what were what? If you could just highlight the major steps so that if people listening kind of want to follow in your footsteps, they have a little bit of a a template. Well, and everybody's you know, different. Of course, everyone's yeah, definitely everyone's different. Um, you know, the first thing is obviously you have to have some. Either you're you're solving a pain point or you're solving some challenge or issue that you see in the world where it's either being solved improperly or you have a vision to do something better or different. And so whatever that may be, like back when I was doing the other project, I talked to every single patient. I talked to all of my colleagues, you know, for the for years and years, but obviously writing down those ideas, trying to find out, are there other things out there? Are there, are, what's the, what's the pain point and how is it being solved now? How can you change it? How can you make it better? Um, but really like as you move forward into, are you actually going to do something or not? Like ideas are actually worthless. Like, Oh, I have a great idea for like, you know, I have a great idea for this app or this website, or, you know, I've had a ton of colleagues or, or student PTs or other people like reach out to me about, Oh, I got this idea. And, and what do you think? It's like, yeah, it sounds good. It's all about the execution. You have to take action. You have to do it. You know, Nike, just do it. It's like a, a very simple slogan, but it, it means the world. And so you have to take action. What is that action? Well, you either are going to learn how to like build some of this on your own. Maybe you, if you don't know any of this, you have to outsource it. You have to look up design and development firms, and then you have to do research on their portfolios, like people that they've done work for and reach out to those people. You know, and this takes time and effort, way more time than 40 hours a week in mm. whatever job you're doing. And so um, taking those action steps, like how can I how can I get this out there as soon as possible on what we would call like a minimal viable product? So MVP, minimum viable product, what's like the the shortest amount of time and, or maybe even the least amount of money that I can validate this. And so whether that's talking to potential customers, you know, we're both in New York City, so you could walk up to strangers and with a clipboard and say like, you know, hey, I'm going to be building this website or this app, what do you think? Or even whether it's putting up a landing page about some software or an app that, you know, here's this and this is what it does and, you know, put your uh, email in or even put your credit card number in and, and this is where it's going to be delivered in a month. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I think it's really important to, to do those steps is taking action. And so uh, I hope I'm not leaving anything out, but definitely drawing out those ideas, 
talking to the end user, the, the customers, or, or whoever is your intent, whatever your target audience is. And you, you may be wrong at first, and you have to talk to a different demographic, and then you'll kind of refine that over time. Um, but it just it just takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, and you'll have that enthusiasm and the passion, like, and you'll know you're onto something if you're that excited about it. And then those those people see that passion and enthusiasm for something that may not even be created yet, or or you found a, a, something that can solve their problem, and, or maybe they're willing to pay for it, and you're like, wow, they're willing to, they're willing to pay you know something per month or or per year. And it's not even built yet, but you're trying to validate that. So there's just a ton of process in between. Um, and I just hope I've, uh, you know, outlined some of those potential steps for other people in the audience. Yeah, no, I think so. So we have research and then kind of solving that pain point, which, and I'm glad that you mentioned there could be something out there that solves the pain point you're looking to solve, but can you do it better? Or can you do it differently? Can you make it more user-friendly? So just because something's out there doesn't mean you throw your hands up and say, ah, something's already there, so, oh, well, too bad. I'm going to move on. You know what I mean? So I'm glad that you mentioned that. And then taking action. And taking action ha can come in many, 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 many forms. And then finally, coming up with a minimal viable product, talking to your end user. That was about everything, right? Yeah. So now, Annie, during this time, so Dave mentioned it's it's working more than 40 hours a week, you know? Sure. So right. how does that impact, first of all, how does that impact you and your job as a PT working those 40 hours a week? Are you then coming home and, and supplementing that by working with him? Or is he kind of off in a separate room? How does that impact sort of your life and your career? And then your relationship as a couple. So, you know, on the day to day, you know, uh, Monday through Friday or even more for him, seven days a week, uh, you know, I'm working more than 40 hours as well. 40 hours I'm doing outpatient orthopedics and then I'm also work working more with pediatrics. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we work long days. Uh, and so when we come home, we, we spend time, we talk, we have dinner. And he's telling me about, you know, everything that's going on with his business, which really drives me at, as a professional to, to do more and to think outside the box and what kind of the way that we're just taught in physical therapy school is just, you know, I mean, if not that not putting aside clinically move, uh, getting better, of course, but, you know, just thinking more business minded, um, you know, he's really helped me with that in my career. Um, I mean, would you agree? <laughs> sure. What, what about our relationship like as a as a couple so like we're just we're just like within our first year of marriage so like yeah so, so I think this, is, this is not to get like Dr. Phil or anything but like it's, right. it could be stressful right so so how do you deal with that stress and then what would your best advice be to maybe other young couples who might be going through the same thing have it kind of in the same situation yeah I mean um you know we're living in a in a different time now, so you know we're a lot more in with technology and with our phones, so you have to come to accept that that you know we're not just all scrolling on Facebook or whatever you know we're 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 working we're mm -hmm. trying to get our product out there, who we are you know as a professional or a business, so you know you have to understand that so as a spouse of someone that owns their own business. You know, you have to understand that that comes with the territory, especially because this has been a, a growing business for some time. Uh, but with that being said, you know, there's certainly time that we need to set aside for, for each other. And so, you know, because we want to 
you know, be a family and, and be happy. So I think as long as that's the forefront, you know, the, the foundation of who we are is, is us as a family, then, you know, sky's the limit with his business and my, and my career as well. Of course, right. of course. I mean, it's definitely hard though to, to draw the line. Like, you know, I, I'm trying to get as many connections or talk to different people on different platforms and, you know, Annie uses social media too, but I, I am on it. Listen, I saw you on Twitter last night, like midnight, buddy. Like you're on pretty late. I was last night and I'm like, does this guy sleep? Is he always working? Like what's going on here? Yes. And yes. I mean, here's, here's the thing though. It doesn't feel like working. Yeah. And so if it feels like working, you're, you're in the wrong job or career. And so when like, yeah, it's, it's really tough. It's really tough to draw a line because now there's no, like, I don't, I don't work for a practice where, um, I have to punch a ticket or I, you know, I'm, I'm working only like a certain amount of hours and I'm compensated only for those hours. Like when it's your own project, your own baby, like this, like we don't have a child right now, but so like this in a way is like my baby. And so it's not work. And so it is hard to kind of unplug and, and turn that off. And then obviously dedicate time and effort to our relationship. Really tough. Uh, I can't even stress how tough it is. And so any other person that started a business like that is on this audience, um, if they're in any type of relationship or even maybe more challenging if have kids already and then try to start a business, um, it's extremely challenging. Uh, and it's all about trying to, uh, you know, do that juggling act. There is no real work, like work life balance per se, um, because there's such a blend in th these days, I feel like, mm -hmm. but it I is agree. really challenging. Yeah. And you hear a lot about this work life balance and, you know, does everyone have this great balance between the two? Um, and I guess, do you guys have a night where you have like one night that's dedicated just to the two of you at this point, or do you ever take a full day off and just completely unplug and, and relax? No, I'm see you, it, Unfortunately, this isn't video, but Annie's shaking her head and Dave is just kind of <laughs> smiling. So I'm thinking that's a no. Um, but, you know, do you, do you have sort of time? Do you have to write it down on a calendar and say, we're going to spend this these this time together during the week? Yeah, usually, you know, when I'm coming home from work um, and let's say he's he's home or he's just coming home from visiting a practice owner, you know, there's a certain amount of time every night we spend together. We unplug. We have our phones down. You know, we're having dinner. We're talking. And then, you know, well, he'll, you know, come back into talking, you know, about his business or working, you know, especially because he's got to talk to some people on the West Coast as well. So, right. right you know, right, right. so that also ties into it uh, if he's talking later at night. But usually every single day we dedicate, you know, a few hours a night to, you know, spending time with each other and, you know, sans phone. But no, it's a seven days, seven day a week uh, adventure. Yeah. It's, there's no Sunday. There's no Sabbath day. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean like some real actionable items, things that like I have to do, literally I have to do. So like if we sit down at our dining room table for dinner, I have to put my phone somewhere else. Or like if we go out, Smart. Right? if we're, yeah. we're going to go out somewhere, I've, I've placed my phone in Annie's purse because it's like, I'm it, it just so unfortunately, like there's many good ways in terms of like being you know, connected with someone across the country or around the world and you're engaged in some type of uh, communication and it's building your, you know, your personal rapport with that person or maybe even facilitating your business. 
but also it can be a detriment to your relationship, whether it's with a spouse or a boyfriend, girlfriend, or, you know, one of your best friends or whoever. Mm -hmm. And so you, I've had to physically, um, remove the step phone in and from remove. your hand. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and those things are really important because I, you know, I, as much as I love and obsess about what I'm working on, like, you know, I, I, I know that I will not and cannot, you know, screw this up. Like Annie <laughs> is amazing. She's my best friend. I've known her for 10 years. And, um, and so that is, you know, at the end of the day, extremely important to me. So you have to do those little things here and there. Uh, and so I think over time, you know, it can, it can help really. And I think what's interesting and a, a lot of people, I don't know if a lot of people are kind of tuning in to how, to the, how you guys are together, but it sounds like there's such great support and that support goes both ways. So Annie, you're supporting him and, and his career. And it sounds like Dave, you're there to support her and her career. Absolutely. So I think it's important to note that one person isn't taking such a huge precedence over the other. At least that's what I'm getting from you guys. You could tell me if I'm wrong. No, agreed. No, yeah. I agree. I mean, you know, uh, he's very strong in his business, but you know, myself and my career, I have a lot of goals and a lot of dreams and, um, you know, I'm confident in what I'm doing in my career. So he's nothing but my biggest champion. And mm -hmm. So, and, and vice versa. Yeah. And I think that's so important because Sometimes one person can get lost in this sort of entrepreneurial journey. Right. And you know what I mean? About, and forget about the person right next to them. Sure. Right, right. Exactly, so. exactly. Um, okay, so let's move on to talking about the app itself. So you know what I, I don't think I've ever asked is where did the name come from? Sure. So it's a play on words. The, the initial, so initial, the part of initial is from initial evaluation and V is from follow up visit, the V of visit. And so uh, I was basically on GoDaddy.com to try to find <laughs> a shorter domain name that uh, was not something like healthcaretextmessenger.com. That's crazy. And so, <laughs> so here's the thing with, you know, I'm not an expert in branding, but I feel like I, I've, I've learned some things along the way. It's either great to have like a, a specific name, like, like booking.com. Mm -hmm. Like if you have booking.com, you know that this is probably for booking hotels or flight arrangements something, or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Or it's something, uh, so, uh, so out there, or maybe it's two words put together like mixergy.com. So mixergy.com is a is an interview platform with Andrew Warner and he interviews uh, tech founders and Mixergy. Like, you know, you're adding, you're adding synergy or, or energy and you're mixing energy together. And so it's two words and, but Mixergy could be anything. Mixergy could be the name of this podcast. Mixergy could be mm -hmm. the name of my business. And a so, blender. I don't, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, I feel like it could be a blender. And so, and so I went, I went with the other way, which is basically something that obviously there's no brand recognition, but also I could potentially, you know, leverage that on different platforms with that name where it's, it's really only, uh, you know, known from what I had potentially started or, mm -hmm. or continue to use. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And so, you know, we've been talking about sort of your journey from idea to why to relationships. So let's talk about this app, what does it do? Why do we care? Why would we want it? 
Sure. So Vinitial is a secure HIPAA compliant text application between patients and providers without exchanging their cell phone numbers. And so many providers, some owners, some physical therapists and, and other providers in different settings, they may give out their cell phone numbers. And that's totally fine. Sometimes I can convert them into a user or, or a paying customer and sometimes not. And, and that's fine. I've heard a ton of stories where, whether it's a physical therapist, it's a healthcare provider. I even recently heard a story of a swim coach, now not necessarily a healthcare provider, but a, a swim coach for a swim club where parents pay a certain amount of money for their children to be in a, a swim team. And obviously as a, as a swim as a swim coach, there may be some parallels into physical therapy in terms of injury or sports performance. And this individual was giving out the, their cell phone number. The coach was giving out their cell phone number to all the parents. And obviously, you know, parents can sometimes be different than patients, but there's also some similarities. But there was some abuse that over time evolved into significant abuse by parents leaving ins insane voicemails and, and calls to this coach where the coach actually had to quit his job. Uh, there was no other job lined up, so he was then unemployed for three months. This individual had to change their cell phone number. Uh, and then, I mean, the list goes on, but but even in physical therapy. So I've talked to physical therapists, more so I hear it from females, where they'll get weird or potentially awkward voicemails from patients on a Friday or Saturday night. And what happened over time was I, when I was doing this research to talk to all my friends and colleagues and other practice owners or anyone that would you know listen or, or answer the questions, um, I was hearing these interesting use cases, which was basically like, yeah, I don't give out my cell phone number for some of these use cases. And so I was like, well, everyone texts. And in fact, most people nowadays will let a call go to voicemail and see who it is and then maybe text them back and be like, hey, what's up? That would be me. <laughs> and so, so, Karen, so Karen, why do you why do you do that? I just I'm curious. I know you're busy in, in the city, but why do you do that? Um, why do I not pick up on when? Um, if it's your, if it's your mother, you know, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. but on average course. you might let it go to voicemail and then either text that person back or on average, I'll probably let it go to voicemail. Um, and then I'll call back, but sometimes because I'm, I'm going from patient to patient. So a lot of times if I am walking from one patient, like to get onto the subway, my phone rings and I don't know the call, I'm not going to pick it up because I'm going to be like, Oh, hi. Oh, you're a new patient. Sorry, I got to go. I got to get on the subway. Like, it's rude, you know? Or I'm not going to, I am sure as hell not going to be that girl on the bus. Because we all know <laughs> that person on the bus who's like oh, yeah. city bus. talking on the, yeah, for those people who don't know, like New York City buses, like there's always <laughs> that one person who's like yakking on the phone really loud and it's super annoying. And so I don't want to pick up and be a new patient be like, oh, hi, it's Karen, but I'm sorry, I'm on the bus. And it's just, it's just like almost like more unprofessional to pick okay. it up and then say, oh, I'm walking down the street. I don't have a pen or paper. I'm not. So I will usually let it go to voicemail and I will call them back when I'm home in front of my computer. I can input all my pertinent information and, and that's it. But yeah, that's the main reason I let it go to voicemail. If I'm home, I'll pick it up. If I'm not home, I don't pick it up. And even for people that I know, I won't pick it up either. Or sometimes like that phone will ring and I'm like in the subway and it rings. But a lot is, of times people will let it go to voicemail, but they'll text back. 
Oh yeah, I don't. Yeah, no, I don't text back. Like I'm not going to text. You're too nice, back. Karen. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not going to. Well, and I'm not going to let it go to voicemail. Listen to a voicemail if it is a potential patient, and like text them back and be like, right, "Hey, right. I got your." Because you don't know who that person is on the other line, you know, until you talk to them. Right. Um, I do text patients here and there, um, but usually I will call a patient. I'm usually a caller when it comes to patients. And and I um, I have, like, for my business, I have a Google Voice number, so it's not my actual cell phone. So how does that affect you, The like, as... So that's a competitor too. I was just going to say, is that a potential competitor? competitor? Yeah, 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 yeah. But but at the end of the day, so like you you would prefer to call certain individuals in terms of patients, but if you had uh, others communicating with you where it's just kind of like a quick question or mm -hmm. or answer, mm -hmm. then it may be facilitated by text messaging. There's obviously the argument of you know text messaging may not be as personal mm -hmm. as phone calling. I totally get that. But also, texting is just a huge market. It's just a huge platform in terms of communicating where you want to communicate or communicating how either the end user, whether it's your friend or your patient or, you know, one of your family members, uh, it's communicating on your own time. And so that's the thing. Like, it, everyone's different, but I just know that rather than, um, you know, downloading like Candy Crush or, you know, doing these, you know, silly games on your, on your, on your phone, you know, this is, I'm using like text as like a certain communication form and it's an ingrained behavior because it's just yeah. so, so easy in terms of to respond for, you know, two seconds, five, 10 seconds. Uh, and oh, so yeah, no, I mean, kind of, that's why I totally like only text friends and family, like except for like my parents. But I remember when texting first came about, I'm like, I'm not going to be texting everyone. This is so crazy texting. Now I'm like, I can't imagine talking on the phone. Well, especially it took so long when it when texting first came out because we all had T9 word. Oh, my God. Because it would be like a a a. you'd be like one, one, right. one. Yeah, seven, so seven, so seven, you seven, really like, wanted to text those people. <laughs> you're like, oh, my God, I can't even. It's just too much. And so right. obviously now with like smartphones and things like that, of course, I would much rather text. There's no question about it. And I think that's where Vinitial is really um, where you've really got something that a lot of people are more inclined to do, you know, more inclined to text than than to call, especially if uh, if you're like I said, I'm just leaving a client and walking to the subway. Yeah, maybe I would like to shoot off a quick text message instead of, you know, getting on the phone and then saying I can talk for like a minute, but then I got to go. Right. So right. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, there's just a couple other points because you had asked about like, you know, why or, or why would someone want to use this or, or pay mm -hmm. for it? And so uh, I even picked up some things over time in, in terms of how like re owners were responding to me as to like, oh, this is a good idea because. And so like one thing would be this sounds like a good idea because we don't allow our staff to give out their cell phone numbers. Mm -hmm. And the reason like this is one owner in New York City and he says to me. We don't allow them to give out their cell phone numbers because we're afraid that in this densely competitive market here in Manhattan, that if someone leaves our practice, they're going to they take all of their, them with you. All of their contacts and relationships easily yeah. in their phone. I mean, you could you could over time do it other ways. You could save those contacts in email, or you could you know reach out to those patients. But as soon as you are unplugged from that clinic, you lose your access to the electronic medical records. You lose access to your work. 
uh, email, and then you would also lose access to your initial account as well with that practice. Got it. Got it. Got it. So it's sort of practice dependent, not individual dependent within a practice. Right. Got it. Got it. And what has been for you, and I'll, I'll have both of you answer this, what has been the most surprising thing that's happened, good surprising thing that's happened sort of through this whole journey for you? How about you first? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Put it, put, it, put it on her first. <laughs> <laughs> the most surprising thing, I mean, I, I, I want to say, you know, after PPS in October, it was just so, so amazing to see all the different practice owners and everyone come to our booth and, and really show the same amount of passion for the product that Dave was offering, you know, as, as Dave was showing to them. So, you know, now that it's in, what, 10, 12 states now, yep. you know, yep. I mean, that to me was like, wow, it just went skyrocketed just you know this past fall in in orlando um so that i would say was pretty awesome and and not oh, not i mean not surprising like wow i would never have thought but in a good way yeah you know like course. wow you know i mean we spent all the all these years uh, in physical therapy school getting our doctorate and now you know you know not that to say that his uh the business was was faster but in a sense uh it was and <laughs> wow like this is such a big deal you know <laughs> so Cool. Yeah, I, would, I you know what I would actually I would actually agree, and so maybe even maybe before that, but I will I will agree that when we had the booth at a at our first conference, um, that the response was awesome, and then I would have a practice owner at the booth say, okay, so what's the next step? I'll sign up, and I would say, uh, huh? oh, write your we're gonna write your credit card number down because. In uh, the conference hall, and, and and some may know this, some may You're not. You're saying the Wi-Fi was terrible, right? The wi the Wi-Fi was really bad. You actually have to pay for yeah, it, the yeah, Wi-Fi yeah. as a vendor. Uh, yeah. We had to pay we had to pay for the outlet for the the electricity of the booth, uh, and you have to pay an ungodly amount for Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. And they even kind of throttle the Wi-Fi down, as what one of my uh, neighbors at the next booth had mentioned, because uh -huh. he's got a tech business as well, and so. I was like, well, I'm not going to pay for Wi-Fi. I'm just going to like get an invoice page and have people write down their information. Yeah. And so when when you have someone that you just met, they they didn't know they didn't know me. Most of the people didn't know me at all. They didn't know the name. Again, they didn't know Vinitial. What the hell does Vinitial stand for? You know, they didn't know. All they knew that I was a physical therapist, and then I had this product and this company, and I had this booth. And so that was like, it was like I knew it was going to be that way prepping for the conference but it was just kind of like validation that signing up all these people from across the country omaha obviously we we're in florida portland oregon like all these just states that i can't reach physically like but but they are you know seeing this using this and, and they were writing their credit card numbers down it was awesome that's great and then what would you say to a budding entrepreneur regardless of what uh part of business they want to get into, whether it be tech or starting your own practice. I happen to think that if you're a private practice owner, you're an entrepreneur. There are people who would disagree with that, but I am of the opinion that if you own a practice, you're an entrepreneur. There are different definitions for it. I'm not going to go into that right now, but what is <laughs> your, episode. yeah, it's a, that is a completely different episode, but what is what is your best advice for someone who's got an idea and they want to implement it? And again, I'll, I'll have you go with, I'll have you both answer this question. Sure. So for me, it's all about the execution. You need to stop talking about it and actually do it. So whether that's 
asking, you know, market research, maybe it's paying for Facebook ads or Google AdWords for a website or something that doesn't even exist. And you're paying, you know, a couple bucks here or there to test how many search queries are done for certain words, like certain topics, you know, like HIPAA or healthcare or telemedicine or, or anything like that. And so it's, it's taking action. You have to take action because no one will believe you until you do. And the action will result in an interesting phenomenon that if it's right for you and you're putting in this work and you're, you're burning the midnight oil and you're not worried about the, the time, you're not worried about like the work hours, you, you know, then that action will lead to cumulative action. And it's, it's like combat. It's like a compound effect. Cool. Annie. Yeah. So, you know, find your, find your niche, find what, defines you first of all number one then whenever you know find yeah because you don't want to just be <laughs> be in an oversaturated field um you know find your niche be yourself find something that like david mentioned earlier you know that doesn't feel like work you know something that you enjoy doing um don't do it for the wrong reasons don't do it for the dollar signs do it for something that makes you happy number one and also affects the world in a positive way. Uh, and then once you found whatever your calling is, you know, do all the things that you need to do, the re research and development, you know, work hard, burn that midnight oil. And, you know, it may not come on the first try. It may be the 10th product that you come up with, but somehow on your path, you know, you will find exactly what you, you know, what you need destined, destined to do. Mm -hmm. um, and especially as a, you know, as a female entrepreneur, you know, you need to really work hard and uh and find what you need so get out and do it execute don't just talk about it because like you said everybody has an idea it's those who go out and execute it are are the ones who who are going to make a change and and annie i'm glad that you mentioned that it might not be your first try it might be your second your third your tenth you know and just because you maybe don't hit the mark the first time it doesn't mean that you pack up and you you say forget it, especially right. if you're really passionate about something and you feel like this is what you should be doing. So, yeah, no, what, no more. one cares if you strike out. Like, yeah, for that for that business, you posture. I had an LLC in New Jersey. It generated like no money. <laughs> I had to pay two hundred dollars to my accountant to shut the in, to shut the entity down. Yeah, to dissolve it. Yeah, I've done that. And, and, but no one cares. No one knows. So just yeah. keep swinging at the plate. You just have to keep doing this. You just have to keep going. And if you get more and more swings at the plate. You might just hit a home run. Great. And what a perfect way to end the show. So uh, thank you so much, guys. That was great. Um, and everyone, I hope that you got a lot out of both of these guys because they've got a lot of passion and there's a lot of love there. And I hope that that came across. I think it did. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much, Karen. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.